This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we welcome you to our latest alumni podcast. We've had a lot of fun with these because we've had a chance to talk to some people who've meant so much to raise baseball over the years and mean so much to the fans. And certainly right near the top of the list has to be Carlos Peño. Carlos, thanks very much for being with us. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, Neil, uh, to see you every single time I come down the trop. Uh, so to come on uh, is most definitely a treat for me. First of all, let's begin with your family, because I know how much they mean to you. How are they right now? Uh, your wife, Pamela, your three kids, and, and the rest of your extended family. Are they, with you? are they near you? Are they in Boston? Are they in the Dominican? How far widespread are they now? Yes, we are, we're spread out, but uh, you know, Pamela and the kids are doing great. Thanks so much for asking. Uh, we're healthy. We're safe. Um, but you know, we have family in the Dominican Republic. Uh, my mom and dad are not too far away but obviously we're keeping the distance. Um, I have siblings all over the United States. I, you know, my sister's in Boston. I have my brother, who is my, my older brother, is in Minnesota, the one after me. And then my youngest brother, which is the, the youngest, um, is in, in um, California. And then my older sister is in New Jersey. So mm. everybody's, <laughs> everybody's uh, all over the place. So, you know, th- these have been very difficult times, you know, making sure that, Everyone is safe, you know, making sure we keep the communication. So, but thank God everyone is doing well. And that's very fortunate because you're, they're in areas, Boston, California, New Jersey, that have been probably among the hardest hit along with New York. Yeah. And, and uh, my sister who's there, you know, she, she was extremely frightened and uh, uh, thankfully she's, she's okay. But, uh, you know, it's, it's scary. You know, when you see everything around you, it's just pretty much just changing. I mean, it's, it's a different world um, mm. everywhere, but specifically in New York and New Jersey, those areas have been hit extremely hard and uh, life has changed as we know. And if we think that things have changed here in Florida, I cannot even imagine how mm. New Jersey and New York uh, are. So really difficult situation right there. But, um, you know, thank God, you know, she's doing well and, and everyone is doing well in, in the family and trying to follow the, you know, the norms and the indications uh, to, to make sure that we err on the side of precaution. Uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. No question. Uh, how, how are your kids, how old are your kids now? Because my girls are 12 and 13. And I, for them, this is, this is challenging, you know, school at home and, and the lack of the, the social activity that they had enjoyed. How, is, how old are your kids and how difficult is this for them? Yes, uh, Neil. You know, you just mentioned uh, that you have a 13-year-old. Well, you know, my daughter is 15, about to be 15 mm-hmm. in, um, in October. So you could imagine she's, she's a freshman. She loves school. She, she wants to be with her friends. And, and all of a sudden, that has been pretty much taken away from her. And, and look, it pains her. I, I, I know. And 
it's it's an everyday conversation that we have about you know the difficulty of man she wants to be with her friends you know the boys are a little bit better because they are the, the two younger ones their brothers are always hanging out but imagine my teenage daughter who wants to be with her friends and she can't be my goodness you know uh, sometimes I, I have to try to do the best i can to just give her a little bit of support because she gets so sad and um, she's spending time in a computer and mm -hmm. uh, trying to talk to her friends in a computer. I'm like, uh, can you go outside with me for a second? You know, so it's been challenging. Uh, homeschooling has been challenging with my two youngest, um, you know, boys. But um, but I also believe that this has presented us with a with a great opportunity to kind of like mm -hmm. seize the, mo the moment and grow as a family, get tighter. Um, you know, so so I'm cherishing those moments, and and the bottom line is this: I don't want to waste the crisis. I don't know if you mm -hmm. understand what I mean, but I don't want this to end and us not be better than we were before. As a family, as people, uh, we we want to make sure we come out stronger on the other end. And as long as we do that, I think we can look back at this and say we grew, we got stronger. And that was something I wanted to lead in because you are such a positive person by nature. And I was curious what message you would want to send to race fans as they deal in their own way with this challenge. Yes. I just believe that the biggest tragedy of this would be if we go through all this difficult times or all this pain, because if you, if you look, you know, around the country, you know, people are in their jobs and, you know, employees, you know, no longer has, they don't have a source of income and family struggling. I mean, this is, this is horrible. I mean, let's just, there's no if and buts about it, you know. Uh, and then at the end of it all, the, 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 the bigger tragedy would be to come out and be totally unchanged, you know, for, you know, for the better, you know, I would say that you just have to make sure that we seize this moment, you know, let's, 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 let's be loving to each other, supportive uh, with each other. Let's try to to grow, to take advantage of the forced pause, really, mm -hmm. uh, that, that has been happening and not waste the pain, if that makes sense at all. You know, we don't want this pain and this difficulty to go to waste and not, not grow from it. So um, hang in there, you know, stay strong and uh, uh, with compassion with each other. I think that's that's the key. And it starts with the family. It starts with the mm -hmm. person right next to you. Um, so even for me and my children, my wife, you know, how do I, how do I keep them, you know, upbeat? How do I keep them optimistic, you know, and how do I give them hope? So that, that would be my message, you know, keep the hope alive, um, you know, stay strong and cease the, the situation. And I, I'm just, I have faith that we'll come out on the other end better and stronger and uh, more equipped, uh, you know, to take on life. I think it's a great message to send. How, and I didn't ask about your MLB Network family because you've enjoyed working with them. I mean, they're right in the middle of all this. Have you been in touch with a lot of the folks who would be at uh, Studio 42 and the like? Yes, yes. Um, you know, th that's a very tight-knit family, I would say. It's a great working environment, you know. So what we've been doing is just uh, through text, just sending texts mm -hmm. to each other, uh, making sure that everyone is okay. Um, um, cracking jokes, trying to make each other laugh somehow, some way through through the difficult situation. Because that's another thing. Like, you know, it's very easy to just to 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 stress. To it's it's precisely what we and any normal human being would do. So we almost have to be intentional about laughter, 
about, you know, spending time, you know, quiet time, maybe it's reading a book, maybe it's just having dinner at a table because things, you know, with the family, because things have slowed down to the point where you could possibly do that. It's no longer, I'm busy. I, I got to go. I got to go do homework. I, you know, no, I think there's a little bit more time for that. So whatever it is, we try to encourage each other to make sure that, that we're okay and that we are doing those little things to keep ourselves sane and to, to stay solid through this situation. And part of that too is enjoying moments that you had. And that's part of the reason we brought you on was to kind of reminisce too about some of the great <laughs> moments that you had on some of those teams in 2008. And for you, what were the, the biggest moments from that year that stick out for you? What stands out? Because there's some I want to touch on, but I'm curious your take. What, what did you, what do you remember most? Well, you know, whenever I'm asked, you know, when I go to the throb, I don't know if you can picture it, but there's an elevator that I usually just go into. And there is a picture of Aki jumping when he made the last out before we went to the World Series. He feels it cleanly. And I'm like, before he makes the out, I'm already, you know, getting all emotional. But, you know, he, even hasn't, he hasn't even stepped in second base, so the game's not over yet. But when he stepped to second base, Neil, I, I literally just almost blacked out. Like it was, it felt like if I was 10 years old playing Sandlot baseball, like I felt like a kid, like, like a, just a young kid. And at the end of it, all, of it all, that's really what we are. You know, we are, we are inside, even though we're men, grown men, adults. But why do we love this game of baseball? It's because at the end of the day, we are boys inside in our hearts, you know. So the boy came out, bro. Like, it was unbelievable how excited and grateful and, like, humbled I was when Aki stepped on second base and we were going to the World Series. That, to me, must have been the most fun I ever had playing baseball, okay? Including, you know, I mentioned Sandlot baseball, backyard baseball, Little League, uh, back in Dominican Republic, here in the United States. It didn't matter which, you know, level of play. I couldn't find a moment where I had more fun than that particular one when Aki stepped on second base. I almost, seriously, I, I, blacked, <laughs> I blacked out. I was so excited. How you know what the thing with that is, Neil, before you say anything uh, uh, further, is that for me, I was so passionate about this ball club, right? I was emotionally invested, you know? So what happens is this. When you lose, it probably hurts more than it should you know, more than it's professional, you know, because I shouldn't be so, I got to be even keel, right? I shouldn't wear my, 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 my feelings on my sleeve, but I did with the race probably to a fault, you know, if anything. But what happened was that when we won, then I enjoyed it more than anybody in the world, in the world you know? So yes, the, the losses and, and the pain hurt a lot more, but man, when we won, I don't think anyone on the planet, on that team, enjoyed it more than I did. <laughs> that day, you gave a speech, though, before that game yes. seven. Is there some, to relate the speech, but if there's also something that maybe as a player you couldn't say about what happened on that day that now you, you are comfortable sharing, I'd love, yeah, I'm sure, sure our fans would love to hear it, too. Yeah, I actually do have an inside story on that. Uh, and, and I think it's pretty cool because uh, we're going to go behind the scenes. So remember, Neil, we, we, we had a pretty convincing lead on the series. Like, you know, we, we, we kind of just rolled over the White Sox pretty, pretty you know, in, in, a, in a very dominant style. 
we started off with the Red Sox and we were up 3-1 mm-hmm. in the series, like dominating, like just flying through. And, and, and let me tell you, this had an effect on us in the World Series, I believe. At the end of the day, it affected us. But let me tell you how everything worked out. We go to Fenway and we're winning 7 nothing. We're breathing through this series. We're going to, that's it, we're going to the World Series. Dominant performance in the ALDS. Dominant performance in the ALCS. And now we're going to the World Series. Man, we got the momentum. We're going we're gonna to win it all. I mean, we're rolling. Well, not so fast. We, <laughs> we went into Fenway and we lost that game. We were winning 7 nothing in the seventh inning. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And they came back. And remember that if we go back to 2004, you know, just four years earlier, these guys are the comeback artists. Remember what they did to the Yankees, you know? So this was, this was big. The Red Sox beat us at Fenway. So on the plane, we are devastated. The team is devastated. Like, it's like a cemetery in the plane. Like, no one's laughing. There's no music playing. And usually they had, you know, back in, in the back of the plane, it was laughter, jokes, music playing. We were hanging out, the whole entire team. Joe will go back there. You know, we would talk. This time, crickets. There was no one doing it. Everybody was, like, stunned that we lost that game. So I tell Joe, I'm like, Joe, bro, like, listen, Joe, we need, a, we need to call a meeting, like, tomorrow. We got to stop this. We, we, we cannot let this go. These guys, these guys are shot. These guys are, like, shocked emotionally. We need to talk. He's like, no. Because Joe was like that. I said, no, we don't need to do that. I'm not going to call a meeting. I'm like, Joe, we have to call a meeting. Just, just to kind of, like, erase this feeling. Like, put a pause on it. He didn't, and we ended up losing the very next game. And now the series is tied 3-3 with, against the comeback artist, the Red Sox. Goodness, you know. On the paper, the next, that, that day in game seven, it said something along the lines. I was like, oh, here we go again. Or <laughs> here come back the Red Sox, da-da-da-da-da. You know, talking about what they did to the Yankees. And I grabbed a stack of newspapers like this because I'm like, why do we have this in the clubhouse? I grabbed a stack of newspapers and I threw them on the trash can. And I called a meeting on my own. I said, I'm going to call a meeting. That's it. Joe doesn't want to, I'll do it. Maybe that's exactly what Joe wanted me to do. Like, I'm not calling a meeting. If you want to do it, you do it. So I did. And I did call a meeting. I talked to the team. I was like, guys, look, honestly, our, our, our whole entire, I remember utilizing this analogy about a plane because I had read something about aviation that you can set the autopilot. And even if you set the coordinates, the plane is going to, you know, go left and then go right. And then it's never straight line. You know, it, it kind of like auto adjusts itself as it moves around. But then at the end of the day, it ends up at the right destination. Right. So I kind of made that analogy. You know, the guys kind of bought into that. I'm like, guys, so it doesn't really matter, you know, the route, the route that we've taken. At the end of the day, we have one destination, and that is we're going to the World Series. But guess what? All that matters is today. So can we win? This pitch. So we had this man, mantra or, or, or saying that we would just say, this pitch, this pitch, this pitch. So after the pitch was over, it was over. It was this pitch. Let's win this pitch. And Neil, look, we went out and we won. Now, was, that, was it my speech? <laughs> yeah, it was my speech. I, I, I want to believe it was my speech. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the way I'll, I'll, I'll remember. It's like, wow, you know, I'm glad that I had that speech. If we would have lost and I don't have that speech, I would have forever regretted not calling a team meeting. But I did so. We won. We went over to the World Series. But Joe did not want to have a, have a meeting 
I'm like, I'm not taking any chances. I'm talking to the boys, man. There's no way I'm going to let this go by. So um, just a little inside story there on what goes good. on behind the scenes. <laughs> and, and you had some good moments in that series, too. I mean, you homered in games three, four, and five against the Red Sox, too. And I would imagine the fact that you went to Northeastern, the fact that you had the ties to Boston, that had to mean a lot to you, yes? Uh, Neil, it's, you know, when we're talking about dreams coming true, like, my dream came true. It's, it's unbelievable, you know. Like, when you think about life and how you, we, we set out in, in, in journeys and we have like, wow, I, I want to become a Major League Baseball player. And then I grow up in Boston and then we do that to the Red Sox and I become one of the, the, the like, the, I want to say the most hated Tampa Bay players for the Red Sox fans, but more, more, more so like, okay, we don't want, you know, he's a threat. We don't, you know, we don't like it. We're paying us up at the back. Like imagine what that means to me, a kid that grew up in Boston and I'm, I'm one of the, the hitters that they fear in that lineup. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did go to Northeastern. I, I, I went to Haber high school down the, down the road and I'm playing in Fenway park. I used to sneak into that park. I used to go behind the, I had this trick sneak into Fenway and nobody would see me and I would go on the stands all right I would go on the stands I would wear like a very the, the the loudest jacket I could possibly find and then if someone hit a home run like Mo Mo Bong remember mm-hmm. anytime he hit a home run to right field that's the ball I would be in the right field bleachers and then I would go home and watch the, the sports news and I would look for the bright jacket and then I would say, I'm on TV. <laughs> so I used to do this, Neil. And then all of a sudden I'm playing against the Red Sox and beating them and, you know, hitting home runs against them and, you know, being one of those menaces that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to face, you know, Carlos Pena, you know, the, the, the cleanup hitter for the race, you know. Um, how cool is that? I mean, that's a dream come true. So I don't take that for granted. I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know, chance that I got to. Number one, to play in the major leagues, but to, to have those moments like that and play for Tampa Bay and kind of like pretty much set and standard of excellence when we talk about 2018, um, that is the standard of excellence, you know, in franchise history. So I'm really proud of that. The playoff moments were cool, but where does that compare to the 14th inning homer you hit in Boston? In, in September, because that was a huge game at the time. That was, that was amazing, amazing, because prior to that, because if you, if, you, if you really break it down, we had never, ever in the history of the franchise won a series, meaning we, know what, we never had won two out of three in Boston. We had never won three out of four in Boston. All right? that, that, never in the history of the franchise, which at the moment was at least 10 years right? 10 years or so. Young franchise, but again, that's a pretty big sample size, all right? And look, and given the fact that even the Bad News Bears could beat, you know, the New York Yankees on a given day because baseball is so unpredictable, you're like, how in the world is that possible that the race had never won a series in Boston? Well, that was true until that point. And it was late in the year, you know, we're fighting for that pennant, you know, for the American League East pennant. And 14 cleaning comes around. I mean, we're tired, but we don't want to give up. There's only like five Tampa Bay fans uh, uh, left in the whole entire stadium. The rest is all Red Sox. And I get a sinker, a uh, lone away sinker. Um, 
and I just demolished it. Like it, it was right into the into my wheelhouse. I timed it perfectly. Goodness, and I sent you know I pretty much sealed the deal for the Red Sox, and then we won, um, and we won our first series. You know what that meant to us? Like no, 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 we're for real. And there was something that we, we got slated as. I thought that was awesome. So the, the the new beast of the East, and we were so proud of that nickname, like the beast of the East. I'm like, this is awesome. We had shirts made beast of the East. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, it's like we're arrived and they know it. Besides that, the fight that we had, you know, <laughs> and, and that we had a was, couple of fights. Yes, you did. In fact, I, um, I had asked James Shields about the fight and he told me about the day after when he met Coco Crisp in the weight room because there was only one weight room in Boston at the time. Do you have any interesting story behind the actual fight with Boston where you were when all that happened in June? Well, I wasn't even supposed to be, yeah, I wasn't even supposed to be on the field because, um, you know, I had gotten, I had gotten my, my hand broken. Mm -hmm. My hand got broken by the way I played through that thing. But when they saw the x-ray, I'm like, dude, you, you gotta, you gotta put some splinters on that thing. You have a broken hand. So I missed all that time. So I wasn't supposed to be on the field. I was on the, at that time called the DL. Mm -hmm. And I had a cast, but I, for, I forgot about all that. All right. I, I totally forgot about that. And all I cared about was like, I, I got to go out there and fight. So I'm out there in the middle of the, of the brawl with like a broken hand. And, you know, we're, I, I had to like grab Joe, you know, and I remember falling down the, down the, the mound, you know, like rolled down the mound, like with a broken hand. Uh, I remember, you know, Crawford was like, Pulling, <laughs> pulling Coco Crisp's hair. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was insane. But at the end of the day, I think what happened was the Red Sox says, okay, these are not little leaguers anymore. You know, that, that, we're not playing against an inferior team. These guys are a force to be reckoned with. Not only can they play, but they'll stand toe-to-toe -to -toe against us. I mean, they don't care. Uh, they're, they're grown men. You know, I really believe that they thought Every single time they rolled in the Tropicana before, it was like, these are easy wins, easy wins. It's a bunch of young guys, bunch of little prospects, and we are the big, mighty Red Sox. But when we got into the brawl, it was like, wait a second, these guys are for real. That was a cool moment. There was other one individual moment that you had that I wanted to ask about, and that was the Cleveland game. You hit a walk-off homer in, I think, what was a six-run ninth inning. What do you recall about that? Because there, I mean, in that year, there were so many crazy wins like that. That was right near the top. You know, the resiliency of, of that 2018 was ridiculous, you know. Um, I think, you know what the thing is, like, like those years, it's, it's very difficult to replicate because I think we as humans and as athletes, we react to the environment of the situation that we're in. So sometimes it's a perfect storm, like the difficulty of the franchise never winning and the history, and all of a sudden we get a little bit of a momentum. It helped us. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a big deal to us. So we rode that wave. Now, you can go back now and, and, and try to like emulate that feeling, and it's almost it's impossible to, to do so, to replicate it. It's either there or it's not. Well, things presented themselves along the way that really tested our resiliency and our, our tenacity, right? So all these 
come from behind wins. I remember that. That was ridiculous. That game was pretty much representative of what the ball club, ball club's character was, right? We're behind. It's late. But we're like, oh, we're going to pull something crazy here. Like, like we, just, we just had that feeling. Like, okay, don't count us out. We'll do something crazy. Just like this season. Like, this season is crazy. Watch this. Watch <laughs> what we're going to do here. And we had that type of – and then you see someone get on. Then another base hit. Then a double. Then another run scores, another base hit. And I'm like watching this happen, and I see kind of like the everyone going one after the other, one after the other. I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to get a shot here. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to get a shot to win this game. And I step into the batter's box, and, and it's almost like, dude, get out of the way because it's happening. So just, just let it happen. It will happen. That's exactly why this stuff is moving the way it is. Get out of the way. Let it happen. Boom, I connect with this ball. Straight away center field, bullet line drive. Dream come true, man. That, I mean, that's, you know, the feeling that you get when you're rounding the bases, when you, first, when you crack at the bat and you know you got it, and then you round the bases and it's gone. The, the team, your teammates are waiting for you in the home plate to celebrate. And then the story behind what just happened. We were behind. We chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and we win. Come on. It's like, that's what, that's what a storybook ending is all about in and, and, and that particular game. You couldn't have written it any better. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Speaking of storybook endings, your last season with the Rays, opening day, you hit a grand slam in your first game back and then had the game-winning RBI off Mariano, too, yes? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, we, we, we've been recalling, like, the best, you know, the best moments of my career. And I'm like, wow, that one was unbelievable. So if I could preface it, look, I had a tough spring training, tough spring training. You know, I had a tough time with, um, with, with Shelton, you know, my, my hitting coach, we, we weren't, we weren't clicking. I couldn't find my swing. It was a mess. And I did not hit well on spring. So Joe comes to me and says, Carlos, look, man, it's Cesar Sabathia. He broke your hand. You know, he broke your hand not too long ago. He's really dominated you. I I'm not playing you tomorrow. And I just want to tell you that I respect. I was like, you have to be kidding me. You, you, honestly, you're telling me that I'm not going to play opening day. I'm not going to play. On my return to Tampa Bay, I'm not going to play. What kind of what chicken stuff is that? Like, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be on the lineup. That, that is horrible. I, I, tell, I tell that to Joe and just like, Carlos, I'm trying to do what's best for the team. I'm like, Joe, seriously, I don't care if I stink, but I don't have to be in the lineup. And he goes, Carlos, I'm not playing. So I leave, the, I leave the yard, and I'm like, I'm devastated. You know, I go home. Pam is like, well, you know, I tell my wife. I'm like, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm really upset. You know, I'm, I'm, then, then I was sad, you know, like <laughs> heartbroken. And felt kind of defeated, like, man, that, that really hurts. It hurt my pride, you know what I mean, Neil? And nothing. I, I kind of, like, dragging my feet over to the stadium the next day. <laughs> and I get inside the clubhouse, and I look, and I'm like, I'm in the lineup. I'm in the lineup. Like, that's how I find out I'm in the lineup. I was hitting six. I was like, yeah, be kidding me. I'm in the lineup. You know, I'm all excited. And I'm like, I go into Joe's office, open the door. I'm like, Joe, dude, you put me in the lineup. And he goes, <laughs> I don't know. I, I had a change of heart. I, ha I have a feeling. <laughs> I'm like, this guy, 
<laughs> I'm like, this, I don't know what this guy's got up his sleeve. But, but he always did that. Like, he was so intuitive. I don't know. Joe was a magician, you know? And, um, and I'm like, did he do that on purpose? I mean, I don't even know if he did that on purpose, you know? Like, okay, fine. Um, but I'm all excited, nervous all of a sudden, extremely nervous. And then I go up there against East Sabathia, and I have a pretty good plan. Because thankfully, you know, I really did my homework the night before. I'm like, look, I'm not playing, but out of, out of just discipline, I'm just going to do my homework, you know, and have my plan ready. Three, two count. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for that elevated fastball. I know I have to get ready early enough. And if I'm going to miss, I better be on top of that fastball. I'm not, I cannot miss underneath it because he has that rising effect when he goes on top of the zone. He likes to climb the ladder with me. So I'm like, bro, right here, three, two count. I'm going to get on this fastball and I'm going to be over the baseball. That was my plan. Sure enough, he throws a fastball up on top of the plate. It was like top of the zone. It was 96 miles per hour or so. And I got... I got it right on. I crushed that. I crushed that ball, Neil. It was unbelievable. Now, talk about a storybook. I mean, really? Could you write this any better? On my first day back after being away for a whole entire year, I wasn't even playing. And then I go and hit that grand slam to, to get against the Yankees. Against, And they walked. They walked Sean Rodriguez to get to me. I mean, it just adds to the whole entire drama. And then I ended later on and win it off Mariano Rivera, who I've never gotten a hit off. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Like, it's, it's a perfect story. It's a perfect story. So in my career, I had many moments like that. And I'm grateful for that. You know, I, I really am. <laughs> that is so cool. What a great memory. And as we wait for what we hope is a 2020 season, I think there were hopes that this group here could have some of the memories that you had in, in your career in 2008 and other seasons. Yeah, I tell you, you know, when I watched this ball club play last year, I, I get reminded of the 2018, you know, that team that, you know, the whole entire league. I, I think Tampa Bay, the franchise, will never be back to where it was, where, where maybe the, the rest of the industry did not yet consider Tampa Bay a force, that's, those days are gone. That, that, that'll never happen. So that's why I don't think we can replicate exactly the scenario of 2008 as far as the environment and uh, the ecosystem is concerned. But I'll tell you what, the, I, watching these guys play, the, their energy, the fact that there's no like real big names on the ball club. And I don't say that, you know, to offend anybody. It's more like I love a bunch of scrappers, you know, a bunch of like ball players, no prima donnas. It's like, you know what, I came here to play ball. And, and you know, I'm kind of like when we were in Little League and we wanted to, like, make sure our uniform was dirty because if we got home with a uniform dirty, that meant that we actually did something on the field. That, I feel like every single guy in that lineup and in that ball club feels the same way. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to help this ball club win. So, yes, projecting into 2020, I really expect great things from this ball club because I believe not only that they have the heart, but they have the tools. They, they have the tools necessary to compete, for sure. But not only that, to actually thrive. So trust me, every day I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the moment where Tampa Bay will finish what we started in 2008, which is a World Series championship. Well, let's hope it's not long before not only that happens, but we're hearing you say Plakata again on 
MLB <laughs> Network, and we're enjoying that and enjoying all those moments. Thank you so much for your time, Carlos. Stay healthy, stay safe to you your, and all your family. Neil, it's, it's truly a pleasure. I think you can hear in my voice. I mean, I barely let you talk because when you asked me about 2008 and my race and my career and, you know, how much Tampa Bay means to me, I just go off because I can't stop. It comes from the heart. I told you earlier <laughs> that I got my sleeve, you know, my, my, my feelings on my sleeve and uh, probably to a fault. But I loved my years in Tampa Bay, and I will be forever grateful for unbelievable memories and for all the love that the people of Tampa Bay gave me while I was there. So the Tampa Bay raised me, the world to me, and it's always a pleasure to join you, man. Well, we hope uh, our listeners and viewers out there enjoyed this too, and we certainly hope you'll enjoy us for future podcasts. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for being with us. <laughs>